that uh, <laughs> that last song. How many remember last week when I couldn't remember the name of a song? It was that song. How cool is that? Your love is extravagant. That was written, I, I want to say 1998 is when it came out, of which we established last week there are only two people in this whole place that are cool that knew who the writer of that song was. Okay, I just want to make sure that's clear again. No, I'm kidding. But that love, that song about his love being so extravagant, extravagant for us, when you dwell on the thoughts of that, you're dwelling on Him. When you're thinking of His love and placing yourself in, in an immersion of His love, you're dwelling on Him. That is what, it, what the Bible calls abiding. Abiding in Him. So, originally I was going to do it last week, but we're going to do it this week um, because the Lord did something else last week. I I had invited uh, Michael and Allie to come up to give an update. They are our leaders in Nigeria and the work there. They're international directors. And I wanted them to come and give a word However, Michael is really sick, but he is here, or at least physically he is here. <laughs> Keep praying for him. Uh, we have a very busy week ahead of us, and, and uh, there's no, no room for sickness. So I'm going to have Allie come up and give that word. Come on up, Allie. Good morning. Um, so this is only slightly terrifying for me. So I was a, a high school uh, history teacher, for those of you who don't know. So I'm just going to pretend like you're all a bunch of, like, goofy uh, 15, 16-year-olds and, uh, and, and go from there. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Nathan. Get out. Out of my class. No, um, it's, it's wonderful to be here. I'm so, so thankful and, and grateful that we're able to come and, and share this update um, I had a couple of numbers written down. Michael's normally the the numbers guy, um, but just a few updates. We do have um, 1,600 chickens in our chicken coop. As you guys know, we have um, our chicken coop there, and we are currently building the foundation of our next chicken coop, which means that's going to double, which is very, very exciting. Very good. We also had one of our biggest sales at our... Um, our block making business that we have there, which is really such a blessing. And uh, we actually just got a government contract with them as well. So we'll be selling blocks for a project that they have going on, which is super exciting. And for those of you who don't know, all of the money and all the profit that we get, it actually goes back into the ministry. So that's how we're able to do more infrastructure, which is great for the community. It's how we're able to help pay for all the 50-plus employees and contractors that we have. And it's also what helps us with our outreach. Um, so I know that you guys, or many of you guys at least, uh, get the emails. If you don't, you should message me, and I can get you guys signed up. 
Um, but every single week on Saturday, we have a team that goes out and does outreach. So I know you guys have heard a lot about um, the IDP camps. So these are the internally displaced people camps. These are camps that people um, are now forced to live on because they have been attacked. They don't have really anything except for what they were able to flee with. They're living in, um, um, I don't even want to use the word shelter or structures. It's it's pretty much just like sticks and twigs with whatever um, material they can find to cover. And um, we go out, we minister to them. And it's been so wonderful. Uh, we've been doing um, Bible studies and things like that, which has been really great. And I, I think hopefully um, if you guys are following, you've seen that we've done a lot of outreach in terms of medical supply, medical aid, and other resources like clothes and hygiene supplies. Um, but that's not our long-term goal, right? Those are just those are just short-term things. So eventually, praise God, we know that they will be on um, back on their ancestral land. But in the meantime, we want to get them to a place that is uh, more comfortable, and that um, we know that the Lord will provide even just an area for them to start cultivating and being able to feed and self-sustain which is really, really amazing. So um, please just continue to pray there. Um, There's a possibility that they'll actually be able to move from their current location to another piece of land where they have the ability to actually work and and, uh, grow their own crops and help feed themselves. Um, That would prayerfully be in February, but that's not something that we know for sure yet. So that's definitely something that we need prayer and support for you guys on. Um, Their current land, it's being eroded terribly with um, just tons of water from the rainy season. So the land is just completely um, eroding. What little tent structures they have are um, are just falling apart. It's it's very sad, but we know that that God is moving and working, and it's truly just amazing to see what He's done in in such a short period of time. And then we also have our amazing shop. Um, many of you guys have had the privilege of meeting Abu, who is over our shop department. And they have um, just been making the most beautiful pieces of furniture. It's so amazing to see at our compound when we actually first moved out there, um, we just had mattresses. And now, praise God, we have, you know, couches and, and tables, and that's all thanks to our shop. And you can actually look around. If you, um, if you come to our compound, you can see what was kind of built in the earlier stages when they were first learning and, and the improvements that they've made since then, which has been, which has been really great. But... Um, I'm just I'm mostly thankful just for all the testimonies that have um, come out of what we do in Nigeria. It's not just humanitarian work. We're not just there to to give handouts or to employ people to do all of these jobs. Um, although people do work, but it's it's been truly amazing whenever you go there just to just to talk with people and hear how their lives have been completely changed as they've said yes to yes to the Lord and and their calling and. Um, it's truly amazing. I know the media team has been working on getting a, a lot of those testimonies out, but we're just so grateful. And even even as far as our own team, um, my husband and I, I know he's shared his, um, really our testimony many times of even what the Lord has done through our marriage and, and with our family. And as you guys saw, uh, I believe it was last week, Maven and Gabe are joining um, uh, with a little one. We'll have an, a little one joining us. <clears throat> And then, you know, um, Derek as well. So even though we're far away, please, please, please continue to message us and keep up. And we're always delighted and excited to just share what's what's going on there. But that's all. Thank you.
Amen. Amen. Allie, that was a great job. And did you want me to sell your phone? Or this phone is up for auction? No, I'm kidding. Here, you can pass that back to her. No, you did a great job. And uh, get used to that. You're going to be doing a lot more of it. Did a great job. To, to give you a little idea, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, our philosophy of ministry, and it's, it's what the Lord has told us to do, it will kind of go into explaining a little bit about uh, uh, what Ali was talking about as far as infrastructure, because we are at a shift. We have been in Nigeria now for seven years. Is it seven that, that I've been going? Right around seven years. Um, but we've been on the ground now for two and a half, three years, three years. Okay. Um, what the Lord had told us, he gave us a philosophy of ministry. That we go in there and we build infrastructure using the, the people, the national people that are there, teaching them to duplicate what we do so that that ministry will move on whether we're there or not. Okay, that, that is a basic philosophy that, that we have had that is from the Lord. Because God has called us to do this all over the world. So un, unless we want to either stretch ourselves very thin or, or God gives us all these incredible numbers, it would make sense that you go there and you teach and you establish ministry that is self-sustaining. If a ministry isn't self-sustaining, guess what happens when the resources dry up? It's gone. It's gone. God never intended it to be that way. He has never intended even missionary work to be that way. He has intended it to show relationship with Him and moving forward in that relationship, building up to fight literally what Satan has stolen. That, that's our philosophy. We have been building uh, this infrastructure now for a while. And we're at the point, when, I'll mention one thing uh, that, that she didn't mention because she was talking about the infrastructure. But we had a very exciting thing happen the last couple of months that has facilitated a shift in our production, if you want to call it that. I, I don't know the right word, but there in Nigeria, we have gone from not just building infrastructure, which honestly will never stop, but now coming to this point of readying for revival. Because God has promised revival is coming. Revival is coming all over the world. By the way, it's not just Nigeria. It's happening. That You, you see it being birthed or the readiness of it being birthed all over. Well, we have recently, the Lord, the Lord has built a relationship between us and a pastor there, um, Pastor Coyote. I said that right, right? Okay. So, because so, I'm online. If I said it wrong, I really apologize. We call him Pastor K. But he has come on board now, as a national pastor, the first national pastor for Ignition there in Nigeria. And what's wild is how God has prepared him. You know, as we got to know him over the last year or so, his path is parallel to ours. 
What God has done in his life is parallel to ours. The, the voice that the Lord has opened up to him has been parallel to our own understanding, our own experiences. And so him coming on board has really been this seamless thing. And it's really extraordinary. So we're very, very excited about that. But as I said before, infrastructure was important because this is not just about getting people to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. And if you've been here for any length of time, you know that it is so much bigger than that. If that is all, if evangelism, if evangelism is only about getting people to receive Jesus as Savior, then you're missing about 99.9% of what the Lord has for you. He has this thing called a relationship. We've talked about it. We talk about it every week. We talk about what it means. And that's what he's doing there. He has built relationships between us even and the Benway government where we are there. In fact, you're going to hear from somebody in just a second who is my best friend in that government. He was, I, I want to say I met you maybe my second or third trip. I can't remember. He, he was the chief of staff for Governor Tom. He has held public office before that in, I believe, the House of Representatives, correct? And, and other things, he, he has had influence there in Benway, and not just Benway, but, but even federally up in Abuja. And I want to tell you something else. Just as the Lord had directed Pastor Kay's heart and our heart, how it has been this parallel plan, it was the same with Tewase. What God has done in his heart is the same as what he has done in ours. This desire to see relationship with Jesus Christ be shown and offered to everybody, even though the enemy tries to lock that down. He has been a great friend. But he has been an incredible partner in faith. If, if you ask him, he, he would tell you, I, I don't want to be known as a politician. I don't want to be known as a businessman. I don't want to be known as these things. What I want to be known as is a friend of God. In, in fact, his main goal, and perhaps he'll talk about it, I don't know, because he's going to come up here. This is just a really long introduction. But his goal, literally, is our motto. Matthew 6.33. It is literally bringing the kingdom of God to Benway. That those people see what real relationship with him, with the Lord, is all about. So Tewase, come up. I want to introduce to you Tewase, or Bundi. From Benway. And, and by the way, this is the man that you guys have been praying for for so long. It was such a fight to get his visa done because the enemy fought it all the way. Huh? But your prayers got him here. Amen. Please, shall we be on our feet just for a while and... Say one or two things to the Lord.
Tell him you love him. Tell him you are grateful that he saved you. Tell him that you know you don't take him for granted. He is a faithful God. He's holy, righteous, and just. There's none like him. He first loved us. He did it while we were yet sinners. He called us first. He's the one who first showed us what love is. The Bible says, greater love had no man than he gave his life. It would have been better if we were friends, but we were then enemies. Yet, he gave his life for us. He's paid the ultimate price. He's redeemed us. He's made us his heirs. Join heirs with Christ. What a marvelous love. We have only one reason why we can come to his presence. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, is giving us access. The Bible says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have only one, one, one reason that can bring us there, that the blood of Jesus Christ meets the requirements of a holy and a righteous God. Father, we thank you. Father, we praise you. We adore you. Magnify you. There is none like you. You were, you are, and you are to come. Yes, we thank you for the privilege of sonship, the privilege of adoption, the reason why we can cry, Abba, Father, and you hear us. We are grateful to you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Let your name alone be exalted. We enthrone you, King, in our lives. We enthrone you, King, in our families, kings in our community, King over, over all. This morning, take preeminence. Take preeminence. Holy Spirit, take over. As I share with your people, Lord, I don't want to be an entertainer. I just want to give you honor, glory, and adoration. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, take over. Glorify Jesus. Honor him. In Jesus' name we pray. Please be seated. Please be seated. I want to deeply appreciate all of you, starting from Greg, his wife Alexis, the children, Michael, Ali, McKinley. These are the people I see often. And of course, Shannon, Joshua, Gabe, Wendy, and as many as I can remember, I've become part of uh, Ignition family, and I'm very excited about it. I did not plan it. did not even know Ignition 633 existed. I don't remember how it happened, but <laughs> I just found myself part of the family, and it's such a great family indeed. Um... It's important to say that I first met the Lord 3rd of May, 1986. And all through these years, he has helped me, done great things for me. Today, like Abraham, Genesis 24, verse 1, and Abraham was well stricken in age, 
And the Lord had blessed him in all things. I am one of those God has blessed in all things. And I'm proud of that. I want to thank God for what he has done for me. When I say that, I mean family. Uh, You've met Teve before. Uh, That's my first boy. And uh, by the way, he's today um, working with an oil services company that doing underground pipe works for gas and all that. That's what he's doing presently. His wife, two children, they're doing very well. My wife has sent her greetings to every one of you. She's heard so much about you. She has seen it expressed in the Ignition family in Nigeria, Greg, Alexis, and Mike, and all. So she sends her greetings to every one of you. I am particularly indebted to all of you because of your prayers and your financial sacrifices. I came here because a a flight ticket was bought for me. I don't want to take it for granted. Uh, It was a great trip. Throughout yesterday, I was traveling from 6 a.m. when I was at the airport till London. And then, uh, Dulles International Airport, when Greg and Mike picked me up, Till this morning, I want to say I'm deeply, deeply grateful to every one of you. Because you have made um, an investment, an investment on a fertile ground, I want to let you know your investment will not be in vain. Um, the cup you've given to me, whatever you've sown in love, I know that God will not owe anyone except to love. So he will replenish it. He will replenish it. Um, A few things I would say. In Nigeria, when you attend, um, you call it college here, you attend university or a polytechnic, you get a higher diploma or a degree, you must do one year of compulsory service to government. Uh, we call it National Youth Service Scheme. Once you are 30 years and below, you must spend one year wherever government posts you to do service there. I did my own in uh, the southern part of Nigeria. By the way, I'm in the middle part of Nigeria and uh, went south down south. And that's where my ministry, what to do with my life, my wife that God has given to me, 30, 30, going to 32 years now, we both served together in that one year compulsory service. That's where we met ourselves. And while there, the Lord told me, because I asked, why did you bring me to know the Lord Jesus Christ at that time? Because I spent seven years in a university. I studied architecture, living my life, serving the devil very faithfully. Uh, by the way, I would like to let you know that I'm an extremist, so whatever I'm doing, I just go all out and do it. I don't have a middle course. I'm not going to be somewhere in the middle. And so when I found the Lord, I requested him to do four things for me, the four of the most difficult things that were challenging me, and he did them one by one. At the end of the fourth one, I said, Lord, so now that I know you exist, 
tell me why you brought me. And in the course of prayer and seeking his face, he told me I was going to be in the public sphere. Public space. But I will be an example to the believers in purity, in charity, in conversation. So, uh, two years after I left university, the third year, I was elected into the Federal House, equivalent of your House of Representatives here. I was there. were thrown away by a military coup. But that's what God first did for me. And I had a great exposure. Subsequently, it done many things for me. You call it municipalities here. I was the chairman of a local government at some time. My state, Benue State, has 23 local governments. You call it municipalities here. We have 23 of those local governments. When a chairman is elected, they elect one among them to be their chairman. So I was also privileged to be the chairman of those other 22 people and um, had work to do. So I've had all kinds of exposure serving the Lord in the various positions that he has given privilege to serve. At some time, I was uh, the one in charge of a senator's staff, not from my state, not from my tribe, but divinely connected. So I was chief legislative aide to a senator down south uh, by divine connection. And also, that same senator at some time became a senior president. It's not like here in, uh, in America where the vice president becomes the president of the Senate. No. In Nigeria, 109 senators are elected from the uh, 36 states and the federal capital territory. So there are 109 senators. They elect one of them to be the Senate president. So I was privileged to serve one of them for three years as his advisor on politics and the um, lawmaking. So... Um, Sometimes I've had to serve as a party executive at the state level, Benway State level, and then recently for six years and a half, I was the chief of staff to the governor of Benway State, Sam, Sam Olotom. I resigned September 2021 to seek to be the governor, someone who succeeded. That process is still on. And so don't, don't stop praying for me. It is my prayer that God will favor me and I will be the next governor of Benway State. It will take a miracle. It will take divine intervention. Right now we are in court um, because the process was flawed and the law gives us the right to appeal, to go to court if we think it is wrong. So that's where we are now. So your prayers are covered them. Um, and I'd like to say that I'm very grateful. Yes, visa issues. Um, the last time I was in America was in 2020. 2020, yes. I was on assignment uh, to Brazil and I passed through here. So I went back. I did not know that the visa process had changed just for me to get to the embassy and everything had changed. So it took the hand of God to deliver the two-year multiple visa to me. And I want to thank you for your prayers, ladies and gentlemen. I don't take it for granted. 
God hears your prayer, so please don't stop. Um, in the course of serving the Lord, precisely on the 17th of January 2017, while praying for Nigeria, the Lord told me that the foundation of that nation is faulty and I should do something about it. Um, by training, when you tell me the foundation is faulty and I should do something about it, I begin to think in three dimensions like an architect. So I began to ask myself, what is the foundation of a nation? And I got to know that for every nation, it is human beings that make the foundation of any nation. You will know also, gentlemen and ladies, that after God's creation, Genesis 1.28, the Bible says, And the Lord God blessed them. He said, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and dominate. Meaning that the whole of creation, God hands it over to man. So, if there is going to be a foundation, then you're talking about human beings. So, I had to look back about a hundred years of Nigerian history to look at what constituted the foundation. And I saw that the foundation of Nigeria is made up of uh, Islamic fundamentalists, cultists, what the Freemasons, the British that came, most of them were Freemasons, and then animists. That's what constitutes the foundation of Nigeria. And Nigeria has a prophetic destiny. It must fulfill a divine agenda for God. And so, if you're going to have a new foundation, the Bible says, first of all, Jeremiah 1, 10, to uproot, to pull down, to destroy, and to build, and to plant. So, in Psalm 11, verse 3, it says, If the foundation be destroyed, what will the righteous do? So, if I have a found, faulty foundation, then I must do something about it. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, it says, Other foundation can no man lay, except that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So, if I'm uprooting one, I must lay another one. And other foundation can no man lay, except which is laid, which is Christ. So, putting this together, I said, okay... If Islamic fundamentalists, animists, and cultists are down together to put a foundation, then you want a new foundation, and other foundation can no man lay except that which is laid. Those lively stones must be human beings. The lively stones for a new Nigeria will be human beings. And so, over a course of time, I went around the country discussing this idea with friends, those we've been talking together with, and... We came together to form an, an, an NGO called Prayer First Interventions Initiative. Prayer First Interventions Initiatives. Initiative that comes through the force of prayer. An initiative that comes through the force of prayer. And so, we have seven trustees across the country, the northwestern side, northeastern side, the central part of Nigeria, two of us, three parts in, in the south, southwest, south, south, and southeast. So we have seven trustees. 
And in the course of this work, we have to explain to the church in Nigeria. To the church, I'm talking about the ecclesia, the called out ones. I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about people, covenant people. So we took time to explain it to the leadership, first of the Pentecostal movement in Nigeria. By the way, you are looking at over 40 million Pentecostals in Nigeria. It's a big number. As you know, Nigeria is over 200 million people. And so we explained this concept to the leadership and they bought into it. And with time, we had to explain it to the Christian Association of Nigeria, the umbrella organization where all the Christians in Nigeria belong. Christian Association of Nigeria. They've given us assignment to help mobilize prayers nationwide and international too. Our first, our first target is to mobilize 20 million praying people. Uh, with time, as you know, the security situation in Nigeria is going down. It's worsening. The economy also. So, by divine insight, we saw that if you want to mobilize 20 million people and your economy is getting bad and the insecurity is increasing, then you must call technology to answer for you. So, we try to build an app that will help us to mobilize people. It took us quite some time. We were not very successful until God brought Ignition 633 again to the rescue. Michael, graciously, I didn't even know he was an IT person. By the time I was explaining that to him, he said the Lord had already told them to help us build an app for that. So, um, he helped us build an app. We've demonstrated that app to, up to the leadership of the Christian Association of Nigeria to explain to them how it works. Basically, we want a situation where as you access our page, you do your registration, you tell us who you are, you tell us your state of origin, you tell us your local government of origin, you tell us which local government, where you stay, your age bracket, we want to know, and what you do. Your telephone number, your email account, so that we are able to ask from time to time, as we start, we'll be sending prayer points to people twice a week. And the reason is because, just like any other place, the prayers that are being made are not the right prayers. The prayers of give me um, a car, give me a house, give me a husband, give me a wife, give me, give me. Those prayers, that's not it. The Bible says, for after these very things, do the heathen seek? But the Lord knows that you have need of them. But for you, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Meaning, therefore, that we are to set ourselves in service to God, in establishing his kingdom, and then those things will be coming. So, we want to help the church to pray aright. That's why those prayer points will be going out regularly with scriptures to mobilize mentally and spiritually in the right direction. Because the 
the people that will change Nigeria, by the way, uh, I will soon stop talking. As a politician, I'm licensed to speak, but I will soon, I will soon stop because this is church. Because you are my prayer partners, you need to know this. Two tracks of thoughts will change Nigeria. Two tracks. Track one, covenant people. Based at the foundation, covenant people. Those who have a contact and a connection with God. Who want to serve a higher force. When man is an end to himself, he becomes dangerous. Anytime man has become an end to himself, he becomes dangerous. He becomes, uh, he becomes a, a dictator. He becomes a beast. So you need people who will have to answer to a higher force, to God. That's the covenant group. They will be accountable to God. Because when you allocate power to people, you may not even see them again. You see them when they want you to see them. But God sees them always. In the secret place, God sees them. Where you are not, he sees them. So it must be people who are conscious that they have a, a, to answer to a higher God. That's the first set. Covenant people. The second track is the social the social justice track. And the social justice track is made up of five pillars. The first pillar is that there should be protection of lives and property. Track one. I mean, the, uh, uh, pillar one. Pillar two. There should be rule of law. Pillar number three. You must have a society that gives functional education. Education that solves social problems. Pillar number four. Science and technology must be a tool to advance human society. And pillar number five. A fair and a just reward system. This is the second track. It's made up of five pillars. And I want to let you know. <coughs> excuse me. 400 years of history have shown that wherever these five pillars are in place, society advances. And neither history, no geography, no culture, no religion stops the advancement of such a society. Um, to some extent, you may not know, but that's what has prospered America. Once the five pillars are in place, the more of those pillars in place, the faster society will grow. So, you need the covenant group who have no problem with the second social justice group. You, they don't have a problem at all. Once you are in track one, all of the pillars of track two, you don't have a problem with them. So, these two, the meeting point of these two tracks is what will deliver Nigeria. And I have an assignment to midwife it, to explain it, to mobilize the people, to understand it. Because if Nigeria will fulfill her prophetic destiny, then Nigeria must understand this. By the way, power allocates values and resources. 
when you put people in power, that's what they're going to allocate. Values and resources. And the allocation of resources is determined by the value system. I'm here because the value system of ignition accommodates me. So, you can allocate your time. Allocate your money and your energy in my direction. Because your value system agrees with my value system. At some level, that's exactly what power does. Be it in America, wherever. And I don't know what your, your, your political beliefs are, but when a government is talking about allowing those biblically depraved vices, it depresses me as a Christian. Of course, I like society to serve a higher God. And any government that will go violate the Bible, it can't be my friend. It can't be. So, since power allocates values and resources, the people in track one are people who agree or are submissive to the value system of God. So that they allow society to expand along godly lines. That's why track one is very important. Covenant people who have, have an answer to God. The answer to a higher force. Because they need to carry out a divine agenda. To disciple a nation in the direction of the fear of God. That's why track one, the covenant people are very key. And track two, the five pillars, wherever they are presented, they are accepted. So this is what I'm doing, I'm working on right now. And as we go back uh, with Mike, we'll be working towards setting up that structure nationwide so that we start, as we open our website to people, we're asking them to register and to build those nomads and to build a praying people, a praying army. Because Nigeria has a prophetic agenda, has a prophetic destiny, has an assignment that she will do for God. But I want to let you know that there's a resistance. It is stiff. Today, every day people are being killed through kidnappings, through um, all kinds of attacks that are going on to, to Islamize the nation by force. Nigeria is not Turkey. Nigeria will not go the way Turkey did. No, by the grace of God, not at all. So this is what has occupied us, and we are working on it. And as you pray for us, we are praying that God will release that liberation army from the four corners of the nation, because that army will not deal with tribe, does not deal with sections, does not deal with race. It is concerned with the kingdom of God, the coming kingdom. And in Revelation 7 verse 9, it talks about people from all tribes, all creeds, all of them, gathered together at the feet of the master. The end time church of God defies tribes, defies sections, defies races. So it's very important that you understand this. In conclusion, 
I want to again thank every one of you for your sacrifice of time, your sacrifice of money and energy, praying for us, making sure that we advance the cause of Christ. Um, I'm glad I'm here. And uh, the last time I came, it was in Greg's dad's house. Today I'm in a facility, and I know that you'll be expanding by the day. Therefore, I pray that the Lord God will reward you, will replenish you, will heal Michael very quickly, because Michael has work to do, and uh, replenish the sources from where all your money, time, and energy has come. The Lord God bless you. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. Give, give that to Alexis. Yeah. Uh, we're going to play a video now, uh, just a few minute long video. And this is about the, the IDP camps, correct? Okay. Just, just to give you an idea of uh, what was being talked about. So go ahead and play that. Are you having to reboot? Uh, Just while he's getting that ready, then I'm just going to pray. Father, we worship you and we praise you. We trust you, God. And Lord, help it to sink deep into each heart here. Even those that have never been to Nigeria... Those who have never engaged in that that are here, help them to realize and understand how deeply connected we all are. And the very work that you have promised to do throughout the world, to do and are doing even here in the United States, that groundwork has already begun in Nigeria. You said that over 30 years ago, that it would. And then you told me to say that, not knowing it had been said decades before, six years ago, when I was first in Nigeria. We are all 
intrinsically connected to what is going on there, to what is going on here. So we ask your will to be done. Fill us with your Holy Spirit as we seek you in Jesus' name. Amen. of our hearts are to reach those 
who have been driven from their homes because of the Islamic oppression against Christians. There are camps all over Nigeria, and in this area specifically called IDP camps, interdisplaced people groups that have been oppressed so severely and have lost everything. And God has called us to specifically help them meet the needs, their physical needs, but also to share Jesus with them and that he is their hope, their help, and their everything when they come to know him as Savior. And God has allowed us to partner with other ministries to do large uh, events and have opportunities to meet their needs in ways we could not otherwise do it. God just has done absolute miracles here in this nation, and we just give him all the glory. We would never have known that God would call us to this nation. But when you just say yes to the Lord, he will show you such great and mighty things. And so we are so excited. God has given us such a love for these people. And we're just honored to be part of what God is doing, bringing together the people of God, uniting us together with him, but with each other as we are led of one spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Wow, I watch that, and so much floods my mind of what God is doing. Wow. I want you to understand something. God could have sent us anywhere. I grew up in a family of missionaries. I've been around missionaries my whole life. And... He could have sent us anywhere. Last place in the world I I think I would have known or thought would have been Nigeria. In fact, I, I think when I was originally told to go there, I'm not positive I could have placed it on a map. I knew it was in Africa. That was about all I knew. But see, God had a plan. And he didn't have a plan just to go and help some people get a little bit better shelter or to get food or to get these things because I'll be real honest with you. The most needy, in my experience, it's not Nigerians. It's right here. Because the need isn't about the food they put in their mouth or the shelter they have over their head. It's about a trust in Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what. Take away your food. Take away your shelter. Let's see how fast you turn to Jesus Christ. Perhaps this nation is in for a little bit of that. So I want you to understand what you're a part of. Why are we in Nigeria? I literally asked the Lord that at the beginning. And, and you know, he, he gave me answers, but he didn't give me the answer until recently. He said, it is because of men's hearts, like Tewase, that cried out to him, to God. That's why we're there. 
That's why the Lord has called us there. That's why the Lord has called us all over the world, really. And, and it's not just come help. <laughs> don't, don't think we're in Nigeria just to be there to help. No, it's really what Tawaseh said. We're there to lock arms. With, we're there to build a coalition of this thing that God calls the bride. We call the readied bride. Not the bride who has no idea she's a bride. But the bride who knows who she is and whom she believes locking arms with those all over the world that will believe the same thing. Literally an army rising up. Kind of sounds familiar, right? That's what God is doing, and it's for one reason. Freedom. Freedom. You know, one of my favorite movies is the Mel Gibson movie, Braveheart. I mean... Is there anybody in here that has not seen that? (laughs) A few people. Okay, we'll pray for you. It's a true story about the independence of Scotland, which is kind of cool because that's where my name's from. The Dale of the Tweed River, Tweedale, or Tweedale. I don't know if that's how they say it in the South. But in that movie, it shows how the desire for freedom was way more important than a single person's life. Do you know that's what God is calling for now? But it's not the freedom of a nation. It's not the freedom of a municipality. It's not the freedom of anything politically. I mean, all those things come in the step when, what? When the foundation is correct. It is the freedom that that correct foundation brings. I want you to turn somewhere. And I know it's late. The Lord told me to give you a choice. So perhaps I'll give you a choice here in a second. (laughs) Think about that. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're just going to... Read the first verse. And if, if you don't pay attention, you miss something very significant here. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now what Paul was talking about here, he was talking about this, this change from being under the law to under freedom in Jesus Christ. And, and we all know that. We've all learned that. That's what relationship with him is. But, but I want you to notice something here. He didn't say, because he loved us so much, he has set us free. doesn't say that. Or because... Moses captured his heart so much, he set us free. doesn't say that. It says, for freedom, he set us free. 
for the sake of his own personality, for the sake of his own character trait of freedom, he has set us free. Why? Because we were always meant to be free. We were always meant to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. From the day it was given away when Adam gave it, there's been a war for that freedom. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and gave His life on the cross, coming as a man because that's what it required. It was man who sinned, so the payment could only be within that same realm. So He became a man and did not sin was sinless, offered as a perfect sacrifice because the payment for that sin, which is death, can only be taken back or changed through blood. That's what the law was about. (laughs) Jesus came as a perfect sacrifice and He completed that law. He completed that offering. Why? For the sake of freedom. Freedom. Freedom isn't, honestly, we think of freedom as a freedom to choose. That's not what freedom is. Because the tree of life, or I mean, the tree of knowledge of good and evil gave choice. And yet it brought death. What is real freedom? Real freedom is living and abiding and being in the very essence of what we were created to be. Because we didn't create ourselves. We were created for a purpose. We were created literally to have fellowship, it says in Hebrews, with God. We were not as the angels that were created for servanthood. We're created for relationship. So what Jesus paid for 2,000 years ago, He has been waiting for His bride to recognize that freedom is hers. Not freedom, as it says further down, it, it, it says in verse 13, you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another for the whole law The complete law, God's complete command and law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, it's not about you. It's about others. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. That freedom comes when we recognize that. That freedom comes when we give Him our complete yes and we give Him everything. The tough part is, it's not a single choice, one and done. I choose you, God, and boom, you go to heaven and we're done and no problems. And okay, yeah, just wait there until everybody else is up here. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. Why? Because Adam gave a right to Satan 
to contest it. Satan had a right and has a right to contest it. And over the last 2,000 years, that's all he's done. It says in Revelation 12.10 that he is our accuser. He is there day and night before the court of the Lord saying, well, okay, what about this? An example, what about Job? You, you say that he's the most righteous in all the earth, but technically you give him everything. You, he's rich, he's healthy, all these things. Let me take those away and we'll see how much he follows you. I mean, in the sense of fairness, that doesn't seem real fair, does it? But it's because we live in a world that was given away. We live in a world that was given to our literal enemy. We live in a world where it was already purchased and bought back. And we have not stood with him to take it. But we are. But we are. It has started. Oh my goodness, here's why I ask you. You want me to go on? I, I know it's late. I know it's 12:30. But I could share some things with you. I didn't think the Lord was going to have me share it today. But He said, "Let them, let them decide." I could share some things with you that are happening behind the scenes, not at the risk of the enemy knowing, because he already knows. He can't do a thing about it. But do you want to? Or we could put it off and maybe you could see it happen. <laughs> What'd you say? Okay, yeah. All right, there you go. And, and I, I really don't think it'll take too long. I mean, three, four hours tops. I'm kidding. If, if you've been listening over the last... I don't know, eight weeks or whatever it's been. God has been bringing a series between me, Brent, and Alexis. He's been bringing a series of historically what has been going on in this fight for freedom. And what has been paid. And, and we look at the current situation and we think, man, this is the opposite of freedom. And it can kind of scare you. Because it's hard to see who's really in control until you kind of go and you peek behind the curtain. Kind of like the Wizard of Oz, right? You look behind the curtain and you kind of see how it, how it all was working. That's probably a bad example, though, in, in this case. But the truth is, there are things going on behind the scenes that the bride needs to be aware of and needs to see. A little over three years ago, and, and I'm going to share this by personal testimony and testimony of this ministry and, and how, how God has taught us. And, and I've shared many things in the past. It, where, where the Lord has brought us is not something that I've been told my whole life or, or understood my whole life. 
just just like all of you, it is things that the Lord has brought into our lives in just the last few years. And I, I would I would like to think because it's time. I don't want to think because I was so belligerent for 50 years of my life that I wasn't listening to him. So it, maybe that'll be my choice to believe that. Because I do believe it's time. But there was something that happened a few years ago, and I've, I've shared it before. I didn't even know what it was at the time. But the Lord had taken me before his throne in a very physical way. Like a, a, as Paul told you, as Paul put in the scripture that he was taken to the third heaven and whether it was in the body or out of the body, he cannot say because to him it felt real. To him it felt like this. Like I am physically with you. That's what I'm telling you is what it felt like with me. My, my face was before before him, I, I was bowed down. My face was on this, this white marble that anybody who is a builder in here, you know marble is not warm. Marble's cold, right? Unless, unless maybe you put a heater under it or something. This was warm. It had gold veins that were running through it. You know how you see veins in, in granite or, or marble? It had gold veins in it. And, and I remember all I could see of the Father were his feet. The rest was all cloud. I, I, couldn't, I could hear him, but I couldn't see him. I could see his feet. And I remember the intricacy of the bottom of his robe and how it was stitched. And it was, it, it was huge. It was, it was kind of like if you took the Lincoln Memorial, if any of you have been there, and multi, multiply it by about three or four or five that's what it felt like to me. And, and yet Jesus was there at the right hand side. And he was a, you know, I, he, he was normal size, if you will. I didn't know what was going on. In, in fact, I, I, I don't even know that I would have fully believed it except something else had happened to me almost exactly a week earlier. And I'm not going to get into that. So I, I knew I was before the Lord. And he said things to me and did things that I, I'm not going to share for the purpose of right now. But when it was all done, I said, what was that? What was that, Lord? And, and often the Lord doesn't tell you things immediately. He shows you in time. And, and it was probably a couple of months before I really began to understand what it was. He took me to Zechariah chapter 3 and he took me through the commissioning of Joshua that was in there. And Joshua was, he was the high priest at the time. This was during the Babylonian captivity. And, and he, he took me there and, and this vision that Zechariah had was of Joshua being given authority in the court. Now, by this time, we had known, we knew about the courts of heaven. We had, the Lord had shown us how to operate in the courts of heaven. Uh, the only court we knew was the one that the accuser comes to in Revelation 12.10. 
It's, it's literally a picture of the court you see in the book of Job. It's the exact same thing. I mean, read Job thinking you are watching a court case and you're going to understand the book of Job a whole lot better. But what I didn't understand, because that was what we call, for lack of a better term, the court of accusations, what I didn't understand is he was going to be giving us an access to a different court. And there are many courts in heaven, by the way. Scripture even tells you that. He talks about the divine counsel in Psalm 82 and how they failed. And I'm not going to rabbit trail on that. But, but he told me that there was a new court or, or that, that this had to do with this new court. And I, I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew what he said in Zechariah. Okay. You know, even in Zechariah it said, this is not for you, Joshua. This is for a future time. It's for a time when his bride is to become ready. So a little over three years ago, September of 2019, we have a group here called the court team. And it was just a team that would go to court with people to fight for their freedom. And, and you know, again, I won't get into that, but that we had this team. And all of a sudden on a Sunday morning, you could even go look it up. It was, I think, September 19th or something like that. I can't remember of 2019. Um, although it, we didn't put that online, did we? I don't think we recorded that. I can't remember. Anyways, that was, that was roughly the date. And, and the Lord told me, I want you to go to court for ignition. Okay. And I want you to do it on Sunday morning. Okay. You know, I mean, by the way, that is following God. Do you understand that following God is not, okay, well, Lord, you know, give me a 10-page outline of what this means, please. So then I can follow you. So then I can step. And the Lord's saying, no, 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 no. You can't get this 10-page outline until you step. Because you can't reach it. You can't reach it. You can't understand it. I'm holding it. I'm holding it for you to come here and get it. You've got to take the next step. And when you take the next step, I'll tell you the next step. And then the next step after that. And then by the time you get up to the Lord, you already know that outline. Because he just took you through the steps. But he took you through in faith. He didn't take you through in your own understanding. He didn't take you through in your, in your own intellectual feel good about it. He took you in faith. Man alive, if, if we did that, Abraham never would have walked up that mountain. What we talked about last week. Faith doesn't come from knowing Faith comes from knowing. Does that make sense? You can't know it here. You have to know it here. And so I said, okay, Sunday morning, no problem, in front of everybody. We'll do this. And we went to court. And for those of you who are aware, most are aware, when, when we go to court, we have seers and they see. And we have those who hear in court and they will, will say what they see and hear. And usually I hear in court and then what is said from the seer is a confirmation to me 
as a coordinator, for lack of a better term. Well, that's what happened here, except we went and, and I asked to go into the new court and, and the person or persons, can't remember if it was one or two, they saw different doors. Lord, or they're like, uh, I see doors, but they're different. They're metal and they're huge. I can't even see the top of them. Okay, well, Lord, this must be a different court. We're here because you wanted us to let us in. And he did, and we learned what that was. That was a court of nations. Now, looking back on that, wow, that makes sense. And now we could see in the word of God where the court of nations had plays out from what the enemy took. But at the time, we didn't know what that was. But when God opened that courtroom to us, then he began to show us a strategy, not because here's my plan, get familiar with it because we're going to go do this. It was, I have a plan, here's your next step, step, and it's going to make a difference. That's what we did. This court of nations opened up, I think it was maybe a month later, couple of weeks later, whatever, the Lord told us to go and do our, our first case. Now, you've got you to gotta understand, and, and I'm saying all this in detail because you have to understand this has nothing to do with me. Okay? I'm not a lawyer. Now, my mom could probably tell you I could argue pretty well as a kid. You know, I don't want my vegetables. Although that never worked. My, my saving grace was we had a dog that liked vegetables. And I would feed the dog under the table. But I'm not a lawyer. I, I don't have a legal mind. I don't know God's, you know, legal books to where, oh yeah, you know, I've studied that for years. Let me just pull it out. No. All I could do is say, okay, Lord, you, tell, you told me to step in this. I trust you. I trust you to fill my mouth. I trust you to fill the seer's eyes. To fill all of our... And this was the entire church, guys. This first one was the entire church. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. We all stepped in that agreement. We stepped in that faith. And then, as I said, a couple of weeks later, God had us bring the first court case. I won't get into a lot of detail, but over the course of the next two years-ish, two and a half years, God began to show us through these court cases the structure of how the world has been since the Tower of Babel. When the nations were given away, it says in Deuteronomy 32, God gave the nations away, not because He didn't love the nations, but because they didn't love Him. He said, fine, fine, I give you away to your own lusts. And he gave them away. And from that point, there were seven principalities. You have Satan, Lucifer, and then you have seven principalities that are his generals. And then under them, they had seven principalities who, for, for lack of a better way, I clumsily will call their colonels. God started to bring these forth. 
he started to bring those, those top principalities and bring them to court. Now, the cool thing about court, guys, and, and, and by the way, you know, this, this worked to our detriment when we were under the law. It works to our advantage now that we're not. Because what's the Bible say? If you're guilty of one, you're guilty of it all, right? Right? That's God's law. If you are guilty at all, if you are guilty of one, you are guilty of them all. Well, now we're under a paid grace that Jesus Christ paid for it for us. Well, not the enemy. His blood didn't cover the enemy. His blood didn't cover what Satan did. His blood didn't cover the third of the angels that he took. It didn't cover the very seed of Satan that was on this earth leading up to the flood and is on this earth now. His grace doesn't cover that. So when we're in court, it wasn't real hard to prove that they had done something wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and by the way, there, we, we have transcripts of all this, and one day they'll be released. Systematically, over the last, or from, from 2019, the fall of 2019, for probably a, I want to say maybe a one-year period or so, it's a year, year and a half, or something, I, I don't know. God cut the head off the enemy. All those seven, and, and by the way, if you want biblical proof of that, look at Revelation. The beast that rises up, I think it's Revelation 12, 12 or 13, where the beast that rises up, it's the dragon, who is Satan, with seven heads, which are his generals, okay? These are demonic principalities that had authority over this earth ever, ever since the Tower of Babel. But that was rejected. You read Psalm 82. God not only rejected it, he said, I will take back my nations. But yet to date, he hadn't done it. That's what he started to do in the court. To date, all seven of those were tried convicted, and six of them were cast to the abyss. Of all their, their seven colonels under them, they were all convicted and sent to the abyss. There's only one that remains. And that is the one, one of them that was named, and by the way, several of them were named in Scripture, but the one that was named that is still around is Abaddon out of Revelation 9, verse 11. He's still around, and I could never understand that at the time. There was a reason God said for him to be around. Not that he was spared. He was held for a purpose. I'm here to tell you today that purpose is complete. It happened a couple of weeks ago. He was literally bait for something else. I'm not going to get into that today. But this trip to Washington, D.C. tomorrow that the court team is doing, 
that literally God invited Tewase to be a part of, to witness. Tomorrow, Abaddon will be cast. And, and I'm not saying anything he's not aware of. He knows. He knows he's... <laughs> well, he can't do anything about it. Except fighting as he is. I mean, those of you here, especially on the court team, you know this. You know the, the crazy things that have come against us in the last few weeks. Ever since that bait was finished. Ever since the plan became known. To the enemy, by the way. What's come against it has just been crazy in crazy ways. It's, it's hitting Michael. It's hit others. But tomorrow it finishes. Next week I'm, I'm going to share with you what tomorrow is about. Because tomorrow is not just about casting him. In, in fact, that's, that's just kind of, I suppose, the cherry on top. <laughs> Tomorrow is something special. Tomorrow, God is beginning His freedom. That freedom that, that He called for, for His sake, not for our sake. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom's sake, for His own sake, for the sake that His own nature will not allow His creation to go on the way it's gone on, taken advantage of by an enemy that hates him and hates us. Tomorrow begins a process that we have seen many, many prophecies about. The Lord's told us things here. There are other prophets that speak about it. It is this devastation, but it's coupled hand in hand with revival. The bride does not have to worry with what's coming. The bride does not have to, let me say that again. The remnant bride in relationship with him does not have to worry about what's coming. Because the bride, who is that by name only, Accepting Jesus Christ into their heart and, and gives nothing else to him. Yeah, I mean, they, they might want to take a look at that. Because it is the spitting out of the lukewarm, whatever that means. But it, it has begun. And what has begun in Nigeria because of what the Lord prophesied has already begun but now will be done here in the United States because the United States is the global leader among nations. And what will be done here is God is taking back his nation. He is. This is not about a man. This is not about that, that well, Donald Trump is going to go and you know, call his military and kill everybody. I mean, however God plays it out, I don't know, but it's not about Donald Trump. And and by the way, I say that as an absolute supporter. Do you know, I just finally took down my my vote for Trump flag. 
I mean, it's the, I, I, I had, this is actually kind of cool, because, because I, I've had ever since 2015, I want to say it was, I've had these, these Trump flags, and, and then they get tattered and torn, and then I replace them, put another one up there, and, and all that. And, and recently, the Lord told me, it's time to put up the ignition flag. Okay, Lord, we don't have an ignition flag. Okay, let's do one. And he starts giving me this vision of this flag. And so we produced a flag, and, and there's meaning in the flag and all that. And he said, it's time to put it up. And I'm thinking, okay, do, do, I, do I put it above the American flag? Which there's no way I'm putting it below. And, and yet, you know, it's illegal to put it above the American flag, unless you're the United Nations. And there's one other reason, too, which I won't get into. But, but I'm like, Lord, I, yeah, absolutely, I'll, I'll do that. I have no problem doing that. I, I mean, literally, what are they going to say to me? They're going to say, we're taking you to jail because you put a, a, a flag that, that professes love in Jesus Christ above the American flag? Yeah, I mean, so what you're saying is I can actually burn the American flag and be fine but I can't fly Jesus Christ above it. So, so I put up the flag. But the Lord did say, for now, just put up that flag. So I took the other down. I took the, the Trump one down as well. I am a Trump fan. It's not about that. But it's also not about him. That's not how the Lord is going to save this country. God is going to save this country. He is going to bring about his will and he will not share the glory with anyone. He will use people, but he will use people that, that do that. This isn't me. This isn't me. This isn't me at all. That's what Moses did. He used Moses to bring freedom to Israel. But what did Moses do? Oh, it's not me. In fact, so much so that he told God, I can't even talk. Have my brother talk. He said, it isn't me. It is you, God. And Israel, look, it is not me. It is God. It is Yahweh God. That's how God's going to do it. I wish I had specifics in that. I could tell you that it has to do with a lot of things. I think a lot of things play into it. Creation is going to play a huge role in it. We already know that. Creation is groaning. Why? Because creation itself has paid a price of man's sin. Creation itself was given away and put under the authority of one who stewarded it improperly. So creation itself has been groaning. Why do you think we're starting to see some of these things that we haven't seen in so long? Well, man, these are just, these are just the birth pains. You haven't even seen the birthing yet. You haven't seen yet, but you will. Hurricanes that come off-season, that devastate. You haven't seen tornadoes in places that they don't normally have tornadoes, that devastate. Why? Because creation is groaning. Now, I want to make something clear. As A follower of Jesus Christ, this is not something that has to worry you. 
Oh, I got to watch out for those tornadoes. Man, just another thing on my list to worry about. No. Jesus knows what you need. Matthew 6.33, he knows what you need. You just have to focus on him. He will place your feet where you need to be. Even if you're in the midst of tons of tornadoes. He'll place your feet where they need to be. And, and not just for your protection, by the way, guys. Because being in an army is not about just the protection of it. It's for the advancement of his will, the advancement of his word. He will put your feet in places, if you let him, that will surprise you. All of a sudden, you're going to be meeting with people that it just makes no sense. By the way, that's happening this week for us down in D.C. It's already happened. I remember sitting in Chuck Grassley's office and I'm just thinking the whole time, what in the world? How did I get here? (laughs) I mean, really, how in the world did I get here? And God just said, because you said yes. You watch what he's going to do with your yes. Because freedom demands it. And, and I'm going to end here. We'll, we'll continue this next week. But pray for us this week. Pray for us this week. Tomorrow is special. It's a special day. There's been a lot that's come against it. But that's okay. Because when the thief is caught, he owes sevenfold. All he's doing is digging a pit that he cannot get out of. He can't. And I'm going to end it on one last thought. Maybe this is where we'll go next week. There's a grand prize that's out there. There's a grand prize that that God has just been itching to get. And it's coming. And that's Lucifer himself. That's Satan himself. The bride's never thought that way. The bride has always been an endurance bride. Endure to the end and and just trust in the Lord and then I get to have my reward in heaven while all the time God has been saying, I need you to notice that my intention is for my kingdom to come to you. Your reward is here. It's waiting for you to trust me to walk you through the combination of things to open the lock. That's it. And God's been doing that. He's been doing that all over the world. And doing it in ways that that no one person or no one group knows. Because he's doing it all like this and then he's going to bring it all together. And then those pieces combine to something special. So we'll talk about it more next week. Let me pray and close in prayer. Father, we worship you and we praise you and we love you. Father, and I stand here and I declare your will be done. 
as we move into your will tomorrow down in Washington, D.C., Father, we stand in full faith, full faith knowing that you will not only carry us through it because you've drawn us there, but you will crush the enemy that gets in the way. I declare that in Jesus' name. I, I, I give advice to the enemy right now. Run. Run. It will not buy you your life, but it may buy you time. For you will be hunted until there is no more land on this earth to hide in. And then you too will be cast. But run. Lord, we just submit this to you and to your will. I pray that you open our eyes. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Show us your glory. That it is not the glory of men. Not the glory of ourselves. But it is the glory of Jesus Christ and what he paid on the cross. He is the one that paid everything, not us. We follow Him as our Lord and Savior, our Messiah, our Lord of hosts. In Jesus' name, amen.